0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. You doing well? Have a good sleep? I had a great sleep. The night before I did not. I only had about four hours sleep. But last night, I had a really good sleep. For some reason, I keep having these memories come flooding back to me. I might need healing of the memories. The one I told you about last night about the the lady, my first endeavour of women's ministry, and I was hypnotising people. I wasn't. The lady was. But has anyone ever had a blonde moment? Unfortunately, I'm the brunt of all the blonde jokes in our family, having three sons and a very cheeky husband. But um, yeah... I give them ammunition for blonde jokes anyway, <laughs> but I had a thought down on the front row of when I was at a colour conference in Sydney quite a few years ago. And um, I took some girls from church with me and we'd been out after the afternoon session. We decided to go shopping and uh, we came back. I was staying at my brother-in-law's place and he said, oh, I'll leave the laundry door open for you so you can just let yourself in. I won't be home. And... Um, yeah, just let yourself in, help yourself. So we go shopping, come back and we've got these bags and we need to hurry up because we'd shopped too long and we had to hurry to get dressed, ready to go back to the meeting. And of course, Mercy, Murphy's Law, when we got there, the door was locked. It wasn't open. He forgot to leave the door open for us. But, but they had a little dog and so they had a dog door. <laughs> yeah, not a big dog door, a small dog door, small dog dog door. So I just had a look at the dog door and then they kind of all voted me to go in the dog door. And I was like, you know what, I think I can do this. I can do this. So I proceeded to go in the dog door until I got to my hips and I got stuck in the dog door. And I momentarily panicked in the door. And I was like, what am I going to do? I'm seriously stuck. I could not get my hips to push me through the rest of the way, because I went in one shoulder at a time and managed to manoeuvre in up to that point. So here I am in the dog door, and I started to panic, I'm like, what am I going to do? And I realised I could touch the handle and open the door, so I reached up, (laughs) and I opened the door. While I'm swinging in the door, the dog comes outside... All excited to see everybody, but I'm still in the door. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to call the fire brigade to get me out of this jolly dog door. And then I calmed down and somebody said, Marie, how about you just back out the way you came in? It's like, duh, that would be a good idea. So I calmly did just back out the way I got in and, and we sat on the footpath, I mean the back garden and just laughed and laughed and tears rolling down my face so it was a funny moment but yeah I, I do silly things the blonde things which gives my kids much ammunition to laugh at me they don't actually just say oh to me I'm sorry Kath because you know I, I may seem like I'm sweet but I'm tough on the inside so yeah they've had the brunt of my discipline many times but they're good boys. Anyway, I want to talk about grace today because I I don't know about you, but I've been a Christian probably 37 years. When I was 18, I became a Christian and fully started following God when I was from from 20 on, when I got out of that relationship. And that's a long time. I'm 55, going to be 56 in January. So 37, 38 years. But I find that I still do not fully comprehend and haven't really come to the end of knowing and understanding God's grace and love toward me. I, I know that he loves me. I know that his grace is all, always towards me, but it's a growing thing. Knowing who he is, understanding who he is, it, it's a journey. It's a growing thing and I find more and more about just when you think you've got it all figured out and wait there's more like the ads say in the steak notes, you know you can have all this but wait there's more I find it's a little bit like that with God's love and grace it's inexhaustible inexhaustible means that it's so great that it cannot be used up completely I love that it's always giving It's unending, it's undeserving, but it's his love toward us. Ephesians 3.14 says, When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. There's that word again. May your roots go down deep in the soil of God's marvellous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Like I said last night, we, we are fully, totally loved by God, not because of how good we are, not because of what we can do to impress God, not because we might have been a good girl all our life, but simply because He loves us. His grace is toward us. His grace is unmerited, undeserved, unearned. One definition I read in the dictionary of grace says to bring honor and dignity to something, and that's what His grace and His love does to us. It brings honor to us. It brings dignity to us. It validates us. He validates us. You know, when we, we really comprehend it, if we really comprehend it that we are validated by God himself. We would live so differently. We would live so confidently. We would think differently. A Bible definition I read about grace is, the power of God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. I like that definition because it reminds us it's got nothing to do with us and it's all about him. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now glory be to God by His mighty power at work within us. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask or hope. Because of His love and grace toward us, it empowers us. It actually enriches and enables each and every one of us to walk the journey that you're called to walk. All of us have a different journey in this room, but we have the same grace. You know, And the Bible says that His grace is sufficient for us. His grace is what empowers us. His grace is ever toward us. So in all things, at all times, we actually have everything that we need because of His gra- grace. Another beautiful description I read of grace was it's a room given in His home with unlimited resources and total freedom. Unlimited resources and total freedom. Do we live like we understand that? Embrace that. In other words, nothing in God is unattainable or unreachable. Nothing is in the too hard basket. God doesn't look at one life and then the other life, and say, oh, that one. I can work with that, but oh my gosh, that's too hard. He doesn't work that way. His grace is unrestricted. And we can learn the unforced rhythms of grace that Matthew talks about. We can learn by believing the Word of God, how to live in this freedom. We have a God that's very present, that really wants to help us reach our full potential. We run out on our own, but with him, and his Holy Spirit power is inside of us. If, if only we could really walk and live in the freedom of that, what a difference we would make in this generation that we live in. You know, the Bible in Luke 2.52 talks about how Jesus, the boy, he grew in favour with man and God. But he had to learn to draw from that grace for his journey. He didn't just be, he come out being able to cope on his own. He needed God. God put him in human form so that we could learn from him, that we could understand, so he, he knows what we go through. But he, I just think, is the great of a, greatest example to us of what grace of God looks like on the day-to-day walk in our journey. He knew what it was. He showed us what it was to draw from God. No matter what we face, this grace is there to help us in all things, at all times, for everything that we need. The Apostle Paul in Romans 12 encourages us, as he was graced for his journey, that we also are grace for ours. Like I said, different journeys, but same grace. And in Romans 12:6, in the Life Application Bible, it says, God has given each of us the ability to do, to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out when you have faith that it's, God is speaking through you. If your gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If your gift is to encourage others, do it. If you have money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Do you know, although we have God's great love and grace toward us, we still need to activate it. We need to activate what he's put in our life. We need to activate drawing from him. We need to activate believing that What God believes about us, it's up to us to activate so that we can operate in our full capacity and walk strong in our journey of life. And I just want to talk about three traps that I'm sure you'll identify with maybe all of them or at least one of them. And they're things that were traps that I've had to really work through in my own journey that hinder us, they're traps that hinder our ability to walk in those unforced rhythms of grace and we need to arrest them so that we can live in our full potential. And the first trap is the trap of I'm not. The trap of I'm not is based in lack and self-doubt. John Maxwell says, Jeremiah's call to become a prophet to the nations came early in his life and it scared him terribly. Why? He failed to see that God's call and his empowerment always match. When God calls you to do something, he always provides the empowerment to fulfill that calling. Do you know there's nothing that we face in life that we're not able to walk through? Because God says he'll never give us anything that we can't handle. So the grace is there for each and every one of us. And God was speaking to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1, 5 to 8, and he said this to him. And he says it to us, although he called Jeremiah a prophet, but God sees whatever it is he sees in you. He said, I shaped you in the womb. I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. A prophet to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. And this is what Jeremiah said back to God. But I said, hold it. Master God, look at me. I don't know anything. I'm only a boy. And God told me, Don't say I'm only a boy. I'll tell you where to go and you'll go there. I'll tell you what to say and you'll say it. Don't be afraid of a soul. I'll be right there looking after you. God's decree. In the Amplified Bible, it says, Be not afraid of their faces. Basically, God was speaking to the fear of man in Jeremiah. How many times when God is asking us to do something, requiring something from us, do we look at what we don't have? We look and give in to our feelings of being inadequate or feeling inadequate and we bow out. We give up. Because we allow our lack or our self-doubt to dominate. You know, in my own life, I would have to say there's many times. Many times along my journey where, for whatever reason, I've taken my eyes off Jesus. And that's what happens when you allow those things to come in. You're not looking to him. Because if you were looking to him, you would be able to say, Okay, God, this is scary, but I'm going to do it. There are times when I chose to listen to the destructive voices of the enemy. I gave in to those destructive whispers instead of tuning into the empowering voice of God. And we need to discern those voices. We need to discern those things and not just allow doubt or the I'm not to rule in our life. You know, the enemy of faith and trust has a face and it's lack and it's doubt and we need to make sure that we don't let those things rule in our life you know many times as a mum I've been in a shopping centre with my children and or even the times that I've been when I haven't had my children I still respond to that (laughs) mum any mums out there can identify you look around like who's with that child I still do it. I did it the other day. I'm like, my, kids are, my, my, my oldest son's nearly 30. It's not my children. <laughs> Many times without even realising, I'm looking to see if it's my child. I'm, I'm so quick to tune into that voice. Even in spite of the fact I know that my kids are not with me, I still tune into that face. Do you know the enemy is constantly trying to get us to tune into his voice over God's, even though we know it's not God's. We, we accommodate it in our life. And you know, that response can become a habit. It can just become a habit of response, of giving into that, rather than realising the power behind it and the face behind it. We give into the, the voice of, oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not educated. I'm not confident, I'm not talented, I'm not brave, I'm not good enough, I'm not intelligent enough, I'm not old enough, I'm not young enough, I'm not strong enough, and on and on and on it goes. But we need to counteract those I'm nots with the I am of God. I am an overcomer, I am courageous, I am talented, I am gifted, I am able, I am strong, I am infused with His Holy Spirit power. That's what we have to say to ourselves when those voices come. We need to speak what God says over our life. So the first one is the trap of, I'm not. Secondly, there's the trap of, I can't. And that's based in fear of failure and intimidation. Eleanor Roosevelt says, you gain strength, courage and confidence By every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face, you must do the things which you think you cannot do. Do you know when God asks us to do something out of our comfort zone, which is often in my case, we just need to get comfortable with doing it afraid. Because that's how we face fear. And that's how we face the I can't. You know, one time as a family we decided to do something that we could all do. We did a diving course. And it was like, this will be cool. This is something we can all do as a family. And I was like, okay, yeah, that'll be fun. (laughs) So we go on this diving course. And it was in a swimming pool. It was in like a public swimming pool where we learnt. So we put all the gear on and I've got Paul the three boys and one of the boys' friends. And we're all in the swimming pool, all geared up, And what we had to do is do all these different exercises. I don't know if anybody in here has done a diving course, but you you have to do all these different things like under the water, like take your mask off, get your mouth full of water and learn how to blow it out through your nose. You have to take um, your vest off in case it got knocked off or you got stuck somewhere and you have to learn how to take it off, put it back. You have to um, do all this stuff under the water not very deep water, mind you, in the pool, but if it happens, you have to learn what to do or if somebody come past and knocked your mask off, how are you going to respond in that? So here we are under the swimming pool. Everybody's done their little exercise. And then the instructor, it was my turn, and she says to me, you watch me. That's what they do under the water. So she's pointing to me, you watch me. And she did her thing and took it all off and showed me how to do it under the water. And now she, then she went like that, like, okay, it's your turn. So under the water, I just looked back there to her and I said, "Mm -mm, mm -mm." (laughs) So she like had this puzzled look on her face and she went through the whole thing again. And then you watch me and now it's your turn. And I'm like, "Mm -mm." (laughs) so third time around, in the end, I just went "Mm -mm, mm," like that. I'm getting out of here. And I just went up the top of the water as fast as I could. And I was like, I can't do that. And she said, well, if you want to pass, if you want your certificate, you have to do it because you have to learn how to do this just in case of an emergency. So I went on to do it and I got my certificate, but I have to say I am one of those, I, I call myself a petrified certified diver. <laughs> I have the ticket. <laughs> I've done the dive. <laughs> Woohoo! I can do it, <laughs> but I don't have to do that to prove that I'm a woman, <laughs> whatever, or <laughs> we'll keep up with the boys, but I did it. But I couldn't bypass it. But the amazing thing was, I got to dive and dove into a, um, a shipwreck, and there were beautiful tropical fish everywhere, turtles everywhere, and it was magic. But I so couldn't miss that if I just like, Well, I can't do that. What are we missing out on? What are we missing because we're like, well, I can't, I'm not educated, I'm not talented. The whole point is, when we can't, God can, and He wants us to trust Him. And this was God speaking to Moses in Exodus three ten to eleven. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring My people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, "Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt?" And then down in Chapter 4, verse 1, then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. And then further down in verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. The problem with Moses, he knew what his inadequacies were. And he started to argue with God. Have you ever argued with God? Come on, God, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that. He argued saying, who am I? I'm not capable. No one listen. I can't. But you know what? God responded to him with his I can't. He said, Moses, who am I? Who am I? Who made your mouth, Moses? In other words, Moses, it's not about you. It's about the God in you. Don't forget who I am. M. Moses focused on his own lack of ability and inadequacies and he allowed the spirit of fear and intimidation to rule his life. And my husband Paul has written a book called Failure Freedom and he's got a journey of a, the whole deal with failure and how that shut him down, that fear of failure can shut us down. We don't even fail, but the fear of it. Shuts us down, and he says, Our fear of failure is our greatest failure. Growth in God is not the avoidance of failure. In fact, when we spend so much time trying to avoid failure, we end up living in a very small and tightly controlled world. Instead, when we fail, we encounter the lavish, unending grace of God. When we choose to access his truth and empowerment, we are able to leave the echoes of failure behind and step forward. Into the freedom that God has for us. Do you know fear and intimidation are both spirits that try to attach themselves to us? The Bible says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we have to realise that we have to fight for freedom. Don't just accept intimidation. Don't just accept fear and not do anything about it. You have to fight it. You have to fight it spiritually, not in your own strength. And recognise that your humanity is an opportunity for God's grace to do what only He can do. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 to 6 in the Message Bible says... We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. I like that. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. That's what we can do with the power of the word of God. (coughs) So there's a trap of I'm not, the trap of I can't, and it led Moses eventually to the trap of saying I won't. And that's based in inferiority and comparison. Moses felt inferior because he was comparing himself to his brother. He was comparing himself to another person's ability and grace zone. How many times do we do that? We look at somebody like, oh my gosh, I could never. Look at me, I've only got this. You know, God graces each and every one of us for different things. We cannot allow looking to somebody else, intimidate us and stop us from fulfilling what God has called us to do. Don't compare. What his comparison did It caused him to say, I won't go. You know, he wasn't necessarily being rebellious, but he was by not doing it. He said he wouldn't, but that was based in his feelings of inferiority and inadequacy because he compared himself and it caused him to back off. In Exodus 4, this is what he said, Oh, Master, please send somebody else. He ever pleaded with God, you've got the wrong girl, God, please. I'll never forget when I felt God challenged me to start our women's conference. And I'm like, are you kidding, God? I've had four brothers and I've got three sons and we have male dogs. I don't know what to do at a women's conference. Please, God. The thing with God is he didn't let Moses off the hook. And that's the grace of God. I'm glad God didn't let me off the hook. What he did instead is he gave him someone to walk beside him. He gave him Aaron, his own brother, who had different giftings that complemented and strengthened him. Instead of comparing and being inferior, realize that other people complement. They actually enhance and they can strengthen us. And God is able to bring others alongside as we need. We don't have to do the journey alone. And I'm so grateful for that. We just need to do our part and let God do the rest. The problem with Moses, is he compared himself and he was way too concerned about what other people thought. And that just caused him to be gripped with inferiority. The other problem was he didn't value the gift and the grace of God on his own life. Exodus 4.14 says, God got angry with Moses. Don't you have a brother, Aaron the Levite? He's good with words. I know he is. He speaks very well. In fact, at this very moment, he's on his way to meet you. When he sees you, he's going to be glad. You'll speak to him and tell him what to say. I'll be right there with you as you speak and with him as he speaks, teaching you step by step. He will speak to the people for you. He'll act as your mouth, but you'll decide what comes out of it. Now take this staff in your hand. You'll use it to do the signs. Basically, God says, I'm not letting you off the hook, Moses, but I'm giving you somebody to help you. And you know what we need to do is just step up and into that grace. There's no easy way out. We just have to do it, as Nike says. You know, I'm sure we've had times where God has got angry with us. More out of frustration. It's like, will you just believe that I believe in you? Yeah. Yeah. He believes in us. He accepts us. And he's saying, will you please just take the step and trust me? Romans twelve four to 6 in the Message Bible. In this way, we are like various parts of a human body. Each part gets its measure from the body as a whole not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body but as we a chopped off finger or a cut off toe we wouldn't amount to much would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body let's just go ahead and be what we're made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we aren't. God chose you and I, all different, and he has graced each and every one of us the same to walk out our journey. You know, there's so many times I've argued with God and asked him to let me off the hook. Please, God. Let me off the hook. So many times I've wanted to walk away from everything and just live in a bubble. It's like, wouldn't it be nice? Every now and then I dream of that. It'd be so nice just floating away, not having any worries. I remember um, Tommy Barnett once saying, you know, it's okay to, to think like you want to quit now and then. He said, just don't do it. So it's okay to think it occasionally, but just don't do it. But, you know, I know God loves me too much to leave me in that place. But there's been many times I haven't wanted to deal with the confrontation of pushing through yet again. But it's worth it. Being grace for something doesn't translate for Oh, it must be it's going to be easy, it must be God. Actually is quite the opposite. If you are in that easy breezy place at the moment, it's probably cause you're in that bubble that I talked about. <laughs> But you know what? The problem is God can see you (laughs) and he's coming after you because he loves you too much to leave you there. I love our granddaughter, Ruby. She's just over two and she loves to play hide and seek and she she hides behind our clothes horse, the clothes rack. And of course, you can see straight through it, but to her, you can't see her. And she hides from Papa there all the time and she's there and she's got this cute little ha-ha, you can't see me on her face. But, of course, you can see straight through it. And it's a bit like that with God and us sometimes. We think, aha, you can't see me, God. I'm backing out of this. He's like, yes, I can. But, you know, only a personal love, a personal revelation, sorry, of his love drives out doubt and fear and comparison. 1 John 4, 18 and 19 tells us there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loves us. And I actually might ask the team to come back with me if that's okay. But there's a, I read, a, it's called a word for the Word for the Day. Oh, did I just make up my hair? My hairdresser. Where are you? <laughs> she did my hair out the back. Special. Thanks. Having boys, I just never learned how to do hair. Now I've got to learn how to do my granddaughter's hair. It's hopeless. Like she goes out with these ridiculous-looking ponytails when I look after her. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ruby. It's the best Mimi can do. Uh, anyway, the word for today. It was a reminder from Solomon. It was in Proverbs twenty-seven, twelve. And it says, "A prudent person." Foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. And there was a story and an illustration about this place in Yosemite National Park in California. And it's called the Half Dome, and people go there to climb this big, steep granite rock. And apparently, there are steel cables up the rock so that people can grasp hold of them to help them make it safely to the top. And they say the final ascent up the sheer granite surface is by far the most challenging. Once you see the uh, cables, you experience terror like you've never known and you have no choice but to finish the trip. At that moment, you're thankful for cables that become the guardrails you need to pull yourself to the top. Erecting the cables before you need them gives you the help you need and protection from your own fears and self-defeating attitudes. Sooner or later you will face a mountain you can't conquer alone. And if the cables you need are in place, you'll conquer it. What are our cables? Our cables are the Word of God. His Word is what sustains us. And the Bible encourages us to hide His Word in our heart. Because when we hide His Word in our heart, when we face trauma, when we face disappointment, when we face a mountain, that's what will be our guardrail to hold us. One of our other cables is just our dependence on Him, our prayer life, our humility, realising that we need Him every day. That's what strengthens us for what lays ahead. His grace is always, always, always available to us. We just need to learn how to walk in its daily rhythm. In our journey of life You know, today you may be facing a mountain. It may be unsurmountable. It may be a marriage situation, maybe even a sickness, maybe a wayward child in your life, or a circumstance in your life that you feel like you have no control over. and it's gripped your heart. I just want to encourage you today that he is here. His grace is here. Today and it is sufficient for anything that we face because his grace loves on us, it lifts us, but it also leads us on. It doesn't leave us where we were, it leads us on always. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au